0: That's the question of this morning, and the question of this series: What will you do with Jesus? We continue our march to Easter Sunday, just a few weeks out, studying the life of Jesus, and uh, we, we're going to look at different vignettes in His life. Last week, we looked at Jesus' baptism. If you missed that message on on baptism, uh, you can find that online. It's been recorded, so you can look at it again. And if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to look at the example of Jesus, to follow that example. If you have any questions at all about this, I would be honored to speak to you more uh, about that. And we've got several opportunities for you to do that in the very near future. In fact, next Sunday morning, March 31st, at either 9:30 or 11 o'clock, you can be baptized. We're adding a time, we've never done one on a Wednesday night before. But uh, April 17th at 7 30, I already have one signed up for, for that different time to be baptized. And you're welcome to come and celebrate that with us after you finish other activities on that Wednesday evening. And then Easter Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, 9 30, or 11, you can sign up to be baptized. Now, I want to take a, just a, a pause to tell you about a change that we are making beginning in August. I, I know. It's just now March, but if we don't start telling you about that, someone will say, I didn't see this coming. I didn't know about this. So you're going to hear me talk about it on, on several opportunities. But we spent some some time, a lot of time, praying about this and studying it. We've, we we've talked to our leadership, our, our deacons, our church council, our church staff, our connect group leaders, and we're going to make a change in in uh, when you worship. If you worship in this hour on a regular basis with the choir and orchestra, we call this our classic worship. Your worship time is going to change to 9 30, the earlier chi- time. And if, if you normally worship with the worship band at 9 30, we're going to move that to this hour at 11 o'clock. And I, I know why. Uh, listen, I don't change things just to change things. I'm not a fan of change myself. I have to be prodded sometimes to change things I need to change uh, in, in my own life and routine. But uh, our our demographics of who come to the different services are obviously different. Now, we have mixed demographics in in both services, but the majority of our younger people with younger children uh, worship with the, the modern uh, music and worship with the worship band. And this uh, at 11 o'clock is is a little bit older than the other. So it makes sense from that. Also, have you noticed have you noticed the the growth in our choir and orchestra? Has that not been phenomenal? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of pieces up here. And you know they only have 30 minutes to go from the stage with just four or five worship leaders. Uh, to this full stage with orchestra they've got 30 minutes to make that and with the extra pieces being added uh, that's difficult so this will help in that regard as well and then your connect groups will just flip-flop as well so you can still do your connect group and your worship it'll just be at the opposite uh, times so Easter is April the 21st and To prepare for that celebration, we are looking at those different events. And this morning, I want us to look at a very significant event that happened right after Jesus' baptism. And we find this in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against even a stone. And Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and immediately angels came and began to serve him. It's interesting that the ending of this very same story in in the book of, of Luke gives us one more detail that Matthew leaves out. Matthew just says, and the devil left him. Luke says, and the devil left him for a season, for a time. In other words, the devil wasn't finished with him, yet he was still coming back. That should remind me that if I am victorious over temptation and Satan today, I better watch out because he's coming back again. Well, I want us to look at the setting. In your outline, Uh, you have some fill in the blanks. Uh, And I wonder, having heard that as we read together, could you fill these in? Jesus was led by who? He was tempted by who? He was prepared by what? And he was physically what? Well, if you listen carefully, you know Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit of God. He was tempted by by Satan, by the devil. He prepared himself by fasting and prayer, time with God, and he was physically hungry. Now, what this tells me is that God, and we talked about this when we walked through the Lord's Prayer, God will lead me into situations that will test me. God will never tempt me to do wrong. Never. Never but He will, for my edification, for my growth, for my my testing, and for His glory, He will lead me into situations where I will be tested. This passage also teaches me that Satan is ready to tempt me. It, It tells me that Jesus thought the best way for him to be prepared to face the temptation of Satan was to spend a season of time with God in prayer and in fasting. And then it, it teaches me this, God, Jesus, was hungry. Now, you, you may think that's an odd detail to put in this story, but I find a lot of comfort in that. 40 days fasting, really, he's going to be hungry if he is human. And he was Not only is He divine, but He took on flesh and blood. And so when Jesus is tempted, He's tempted in ways that we're tempted. When He fasts, He got hungry just like we get hungry. He knows exactly what you're facing and how you feel. He understands you completely in these settings. So Jesus was led into the wilderness, not for temptation alone, but first and foremost to spend time with God. Jesus had been baptized. He was kicking off his ministry, God's plan for his life while he lived as an adult on this earth. And so he needed to spend time with God to talk about this ministry. And the next question for me is, why the wilderness? And, and as I thought about it today, I thought, you know, if you were a teenager I would say because there's no Xbox in the wilderness. There's no Wi-Fi in the wilderness. There's no cellular towers in the wilderness. If you're a basketball fan like me, I would tell you because there's no March Madness in the wilderness. If uh, you are a social media addict, I would tell you because there's no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no Snapchat in the wilderness. If you're a Excuse me. If you're a news junkie, I would tell you there's no Fox News or CNN or blogs or political websites. If you're a TV junkie, I would tell you there's no cable, no Netflix, no satellite. If you're a foodie, I would say there is no fridge, no drive through and no cafe. God led Jesus to the wilderness to remove him from all the worldly distractions that we face. And we need to consider more time with the Father, absent all the worldly distractions as well. God led Jesus to the wilderness for a time of preparation, and Jesus took full advantage of it through fasting. 40 days of fasting, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. I mean, that means no food, no meat, no sweet tea no wine. You just have to put up with no Chick-fil-A on Sunday, all right? 40 days. Why fast? Well, when you fast, you certainly don't get stuffed, do you? You don't. And you know what happens? Oh, I'll tell you what happens. When I get stuffed, I get sleepy. I get lazy. It's not a time for, me to, for you to talk to me about something I really need to engage and think about, all right? So Jesus was fasting so He could be alert with with the Father. Uh, Fasting is also a discipline of denying immediate self-gratification, to focus on something other than, than myself, something beyond, something greater than myself. Jesus was focusing on God's plan for His ministry. He would just have a few years to do this, and He needed time to plan it wisely. Fasting is also recognition, spiritual recognition of our uh, dependence on God. You know, the Old Testament tells us of the time in the wilderness where the children of Israel were provided bread from heaven from God, and it reminded them every day of their dependence on God. They were in the wilderness. There was no food unless God provided. Now, the Old Testament tells us of that story. So, when a person fasts, I mean, even hunger pains remind me of all those wonderful feasts that I've enjoyed in the past. And that food came from God. He provided. So, why did Jesus need this season of of fasting and a time with the Father? Well, the story makes it clear. Not only is He planning for the ministry ahead... Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Jesus was about to face head-on an attack from the greatest deceiver, the biggest liar, and the greatest enemy of God and man. God knew that Jesus needed time with God to prepare for attack from Satan. So, let me just ask this, if Jesus needed time with God to be ready for an attack from Satan, why in the world do we think we can face Monday through Saturday without a day of worship on Sunday? I mean, it's ludicrous that we'd think that. Have you ever stopped to consider why in different seasons of your life and days in your life that you have low, no, no strength or, or little strength? Now, I know you're here today, and you may be hey, Bob, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. But let me tell you this. It's, it is research-driven, statistically proven. Those of us in this room today are here less often across the board than we were 10 years ago. All of us have lowered the standard of how often we come to God in worship. You know, it's not rocket science here. Prepare for Satan's attack, and your chance of being successful is greater than if you don't. I mean, when you re- when you really stop and think about it, Satan doesn't take a vacation. I mean, this is his full-time job, and he loves it, all right? He's all in not just to trip you up, to, to laugh and say, you sinned today. No, He's all in to destroy you. Do you understand that? Not just to, to make you, you know, have some slip of the tongue or, or, or make you embarrassed because you did something bad. He is here to destroy you. Not coming to worship, not praying, not studying the Bible, Not being encouraged by other brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through the same challenges that you and I are faced. I mean, that's like rolling the dice. It's gambling your life, your spiritual life. It is to take off all the armor of God and say, Here I am, Satan, take your best shot. That's stupid. He will. He does. And if we don't come, we're not prepared. So we have God leading Jesus to the wilderness. We have Jesus preparing for Satan's attack through spending time with God, prayer and fasting. And we have a human Jesus who is hungry and knows how we feel when we are vulnerable. And we have Satan, hell-bent on destroying the Son of God and everyone else who will listen so let's look at the first temptation. The first temptation took place right where Jesus was. They didn't have to go. They didn't change venue here, right there in the wilderness. The temptation is found in verse 3. In verse 3, it says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And the biblical response Jesus gave is from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, and we'll read that in just a minute. And the temptation... What was the temptation? It was a temptation for immediate self gratification. In you know, a four year old boy, four year old boy was told by his mom that it was time to go brush his teeth. And the four year old child replied, I'm just not feeling it right now. Four years old. You know, we laugh when it's someone else's child. Yeah. We cringe when it's, you know, maybe a grandchild or someone close to us. But if we're the parent, we cry. You're not into it? You're just not feeling it right now? Please. But you know what? You and I are the child. And God is the Father. And we're telling God, I'm just not feeling it right now. What's on your I'm-just-not-feeling-it-right-now list? Uh, We've talked about being here on Sunday for worship, but how about daily personal worship? Where you spend alone, just you and God, talking to God, reading His Word, asking for His direction, confessing your sin, asking His forgiveness. I mean, do you get up? on Monday and say, man, it's a busy day. I'm just not feeling it right now. God, I'll get to you tomorrow. Oh, listen, you may not get to God till tomorrow, but Satan will get to you that day. I'm just not feeling it right now. How about living a life on mission? Oh, you know, God, right now, I'm just not feeling it. I've got my own things to do right now. I've got uh, plenty of irons in the fire. I'll go on mission later on. I'm just not today. I'm not feeling it right now. How about sharing your faith with a lost person? God, I'm just not feeling it right now. You don't know how many days that lost person has on this earth. How about spending some time with a lonely person? Whenever you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to the Father. I'm just not feeling it right now to serve you, Lord. How about a significant conversation with your spouse, your husband, your wife, I'm just not feeling it right now with no regard that they need it, and you do as well. You know, the folly of thinking about the moment and not about eternity is a temptation here. Satan is saying, forget about eternity. What do you want right now? You're hungry, aren't you? Turn these stones to bread. What was on Jesus? Um. Not feeling it right now. List. Did Jesus even have such a list? Oh, yeah, he did. You know what was on his? I'm just not feeling it right now. List. Calvary. Going to going to the cross. And you may say, Wait just a minute, Bob. That sounds that sounds a little sacrilegious. But think about it. In the garden, what did Jesus pray? Let this cup pass from me he was about to drink the cup of God's wrath for you and me every single drop of it can you blame him for not feeling it right now he just wasn't feeling it but he had a conversation with God and before that conversation was over he said not my will not my I'm not feeling it list right now father but your will be done and so He humbled himself on the cross. Then, in that season, and later, he will enjoy the joy of all of those who've experienced salvation because because they called on his name. And so, Jesus, here's what he said to Satan. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, he humbled you Matthew only gives us the last half of it, but I want us to read the whole verse. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you are confronted, by the temptation for selfish, immediate gratification. Remember, God has a plan for you that is much greater, much more grand than a small reward right now. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it this way. He has a plan for your future, a plan to prosper you and not to hurt you, to give you future and a hope. Now, the second temptation, they changed venues. They were in the wilderness Now it says that Satan took him to the temple, and he he placed him at the pinnacle of the temple. So he's got a view of everything. The temptation is found in verse 6, and it says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they'll support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus responded with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. Again, Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested Him at Messiah. And the temptation itself is the temptation of human glorification. Now, the truth is, and the timeline is, believers are justified when they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When they ask His forgiveness, God imputes Jesus' righteousness on us, and we are justified. We stand before Him in the righteousness of Christ, not not our own. That is good news. That's the gospel. And then believers... Those who've done that, those who've been justified by God through Jesus Christ, they are being sanctified. That's a process of becoming more like Jesus, and that's taking place right now. And then eventually, one day, but not now, eventually... All believers will be glorified. That is, we will be given a perfect glorified body, either in the resurrection if we're dead or those of us who are still alive when he comes, taken up to be with him in the air, and we will be given a glorified body. We find this in Revelation 21. It tells us that it's a body that will never die, never cry, never be in pain, and never mourn again. And the work of glorification is God's work. And we will be glorified in God's timing. It's biblical. Now, Satan was tempting Jesus to tempt God. We're told not to tempt God. Satan's telling, tempt God to glorify you right now. Not on His timeline, but on yours, Jesus. Satan was saying, "You don't have to do this thing on the cross. The scriptures say the angels will come and save you. So throw yourself off right now. Angels will come and save you, and everyone will say, wow, look at this man. Even the angels come after him, and they've protected him, and and the world will glorify you because of that. Jesus said, no, that's not what we're going to do. But isn't that what you and I want we want the whole world to look at us and see us as wonderful people, perfect people, see how great we are. We want it without any sacrifice on our part. We, we don't want to die to self. We just want God right now to glorify us. But God says, you don't need glorification now. You're my child. I'm giving you everything you need for life and godliness. I've provided everything that you need every single day in my time, just in time. I've given you all that you need. But one day, God says, one day you will be glorified and you'll live forever in my presence in a glorified body where there is no more pain or sorrow or tears or death, all in His perfect timing. You know, Paul spoke to the Philippian Christians about this in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. It reads, but our citizenship is in heaven. You and I have a passport right now that allows us to walk on this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition. That's the process of glorification. He, it's His work. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His what? His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. You know, the key word in that sentence is to wait. To wait. In God's timing. It will happen and we are to eagerly wait the third temptation took place on the top of the mountain again they changed the venue went from wilderness to the pinnacle of the temple now he's on top of a very high mountain the temptation is found in verse 8 i will give you all things if you will bow down and worship me and Jesus responds again in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, 14 and 15, Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and wipe you off the face of the earth. And the temptation here, it's a temptation for extravagant materialism. You know, the first temptation, let's review, was give me what I desire, what I want right now that makes me feel good right now. The second temptation was make me great and lift me up so everyone sees how wonderful I am and do it right now. The third temptation is bring it all. Send it, God. Hold nothing back. Pour it all on me right now. Extravagant materialism. Satan took Jesus to the the top of a very high mountain so that he could look out and see all of it, desire it all, see how splendid it was, and to have it all, if only he bows down and worships Satan right then, right there. We want that as well, don't we? I mean, think about it. Look at all the good, and you want to do good, don't you? Most of us do. Look at all the good you could do. and you, in, in fact, you know, when that lottery number gets real high on the billboard and you're driving down 400, have you ever thought, man, look at all the good I could do if I had all that money. Look at all the good I could do if if I had it all. Uh, look at all the impact. I want to make an impact in my church, in my family, in my community, in my neighborhood, in this world. You want to as well. That's that's why you do many of the things you do. Look, God, at all the impact I could make if you just gave it all to me. Look look at how easy life would be. It's not easy, is it? We face challenges all the time, some we've never faced before, some that look quite insurmountable. God, look how easy it would be if you would just give it all to me right now. If you had it all, there's no hurdle you couldn't jump no mountain you couldn't climb no enemy you couldn't defeat no disease you couldn't cure no relationship you you couldn't buy no problem you couldn't solve there no test you couldn't pass no limits baby no limits give it to me all. you know the reality is there is a big major awesome limit here's the limit There is one God, and you're not it. There is one God, and I'm not Him. And that God desires my worship, your worship. He desires exclusive worship. It's not like, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday, and I'm going to worship God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you know, come Monday, I'll just worship what I want to. No. Exclusive. He says, I am God, there is no other God, and I will not tolerate. He, he says that. I will not tolerate worship of any other God. W- what, does he th- what does He promise He's going to do if we do? Wipe us off the face of the earth. That's exclusive with zero toleration check out Isaiah 46. Write that down. Read that sometime today. The entire chapter tells us that there is one God. Verse 9 reads, For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. When we worship, and we will, all of us worship something, when we worship anyone other than the one Creator God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are worshiping a lesser God. Do you want the presence of God or a lesser God? Do you want the promises of God or a lesser God? Do you want the provision of God or a lesser God? Do you want to spend eternity with God or a lesser God? There is no one, no one, no one like our God. And the truth is, God has provided these three vignettes of Jesus being tempted by Satan to help us in our temptations as well. Some years ago, Adrian Rogers, uh, I remember three things he said about temptation that that helped me so much. Uh, When tempted by the flesh, Dr. Rogers said, take flight take flight from the temptation. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. 1 Timothy 6.11, Paul writes to Timothy about all these scenarios, and he says, but you, man of God, run from these things. You know, there are two biblical stories that give us an example of why we should run when we are tempted by the flesh. What what does it mean, tempted by the flesh? It's tempted to do things that, that I desire, that my earthly body wants to do, all right? Uh, There is Joseph when he is in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife makes advances on him and grabs his coat. Joseph leaves without his coat. He runs away naked because he understands When faced with sexual immorality, it's not time to compromise with this lady. It's not time to talk with this lady. It's not time to try to convince this lady this is wrong. It's time to run. David, on the other hand, thought, I can hold those thoughts in my mind. They're quite pleasant thoughts to have. She has a beautiful body. And he winds up making plans to commit adultery, which led to more plans to commit murder. You and I don't have the wherewithal. We don't have the strength to fight with fleshly temptation. God calls us to run. Now, when the world tempts us, though, there is another strategy, and Dr. Rogers says that strategy is to have faith in the Word of God. When the world tempts, that is, when, when the world shows you things that, hey, everyone else is doing it, or, or this will be a good plan for you, or why don't you do this, when the world tempts you, use the gospel, the word of faith. Now, many of us as believers think that the gospel is, is what saves us. And that, that's true. It's, it's faith in, in the gospel. It's Jesus Christ died for our sins. We ask His forgiveness, put our life in His hands. That is the gospel. And then many of us just put that on the shelf and leave it right there. But the gospel is the power for living every single day. And that's the power to face the temptation that the world, you leave it on the shelf and go out and try to live by yourself. No, God says, bring faith into your life. It will give you the strength. It will give you the strength to withstand the temptation that comes. 1 John 5, 4 says, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is, and you're born of God, right? You can conquer the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world. What is it? Our victory. Faith in first John chapter two, verse fifteen, do not love the world. The world's gonna tempt us. Or the things that belong to the world, that's what we're tempted with. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. How do we withstand the temptation of the world? We do it by our faith in the gospel. And then finally, when tempted by Satan, fight with the Word of God. Fight with the Bible. You know when I when I first jotted that down hearing Dr. Rogers, I thought, wow, I don't, I don't get this. I mean, so I'm supposed to run from fleshly, you know, temptation, desires, and lust, but fight Satan? I mean, Satan's pretty strong. I, I think I'll just run. You know what? You can't outrun Satan. So, God has another strategy for you. I mean, think, think about that for just a minute. Any of you like feeding birds Anybody in here like feeding birds? You know who likes eating your bird seed? Squirrels. Okay? A squirrel starts with S. Satan starts with S. I'm just saying. All right? I want you to think about that. That squirrel is after your feed 24-7, 365. He takes no vacation from getting your bird feed. You don't have 24-7, 365 to fight him, do you? You can't do it. When it comes to Satan, listen, he is after you to destroy you 24-7, 365, just like that squirrel. We can't run. We've got to stand and fight. Is it biblical? It is. Look at this, James 4-7, therefore, submit to God, but run from the devil no. It says, resist the devil, and he will do the running. It says, he will flee from you, James 4, 7, Ephesians six ten through 11. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the tactics of the devil. And what is that full armor? It is the belt of truth. It is the breastplate of righteousness. It's the shoes of the gospel. It's the shield of faith. It's the helmet of salvation. It is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word itself says, When tempted by Satan, put on the armor and fight. Use the Word of God in that fight. Use your faith in that fight. Use the gospel in that fight. But fight, and Satan will run from you.